0: Now on to the podcast. Next up on the ABCI podcast is founder of Baseball for All and baseball pioneer, Dr. Justine Siegel. After earning her Ph.D. in sports psychology from Springfield College, Justine became the first woman to coach for a major league organization with the Oakland A's and to throw batting practice to an MLB team during spring training with the Cleveland Indians. In 2016, she served as mental performance coach for Team Israel at the MLB World Baseball Classic Qualifier. She has also coached in Japan and Mexico. Currently, she is a baseball consultant for the TV show, League of Their Own, and she is an advisor for the Mustard app with Dr. Tom House. Justine's jersey is now hanging in the National Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. Justine has a great quote, it's an honor to make history, but it's more important to build a better future. Baseball for All is a nonprofit organization that works toward gender equity in youth baseball by strongly encouraging and providing opportunities for girls to participate in baseball. Baseball for All is hosting a national girls baseball tournament this summer at the Cal Ripken facility in Aberdeen, July 18th to the 22nd. It's open to ages 8 to 18. You can find out more information at baseballforall.com. Justine's is a phenomenal story of persistence in the game and being the first one through the door to leave it better for those behind you. Let's welcome Dr. Justine Siegel to the podcast. All right, here with Justine Siegel, founder of Baseball for All, uh, first Major League Baseball female coach, and now advisor for the Mustard app with Dr. Tom House. Now, should I use doctor?
1: Uh, that's up to you. I usually just say Justine.
0: Because <laughs> I know that's getting some play right now with um, using, using doctors for PhDs. But um, Who inspired you to get into coaching?
1: Uh, I would just say I decided I wanted to coach when I realized I wasn't going to play professional baseball. So it wasn't like a person. It was more of how can I stay in the game and and keep going? I would say I made that decision when I was 16.
0: 16?
1: So yeah, that's when I started to think I want to coach and become a college baseball coach. And so I started working on that goal from there and then it turned pro.
0: Did you figure out, did you figure that coaching was the best way to stay involved with the game?
1: Well, I mean, long term, yes. Um, I played baseball and played through high school, college, volleyball, men's leagues. But, you know, I mean, I still played just a couple of years ago. Uh, but a long term uh, coaching. Um, and originally it was to stay in the game. But then, of course, as I got older, you know, I just love helping players. So you get, you get both.
0: Now, when you got into it, then who inspired you to be a better coach? <laughs>
1: I think it's interesting you're asking me these questions because these are really fair questions, except for when you're the first woman, everyone's telling you you're crazy and then it's an impossible dream. So I wouldn't say that I was inspired to be a coach or that I was, you know, encouraged to be a coach. It was more of um, this is what I wanted to do and I went after it.
0: Well, yeah, you, pr- you probably got more discouragement, right? Than, than encouragement.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you were to ask me, I guess, like, I love Joe Madden. You know, I consider him kind of a renaissance coach. And uh, so I i guess he's someone I would love to model myself after.
0: You know, and do you make your own luck? I mean, it's got to, you probably make your own luck a little bit there. You reach out to Joe Madden to throw batting practice and Billy Bean. I mean, that's, that shows something in itself that you're not going to allow people to discourage you and you're going to go ahead and, and take that step to reach out to somebody.
1: Yeah, everything I've done. I've had to work really hard to get, to be a part of it. Um, The only thing I've ever been invited to do, well, two things. One was to scout school with the the scouting bureau, MLB scouting bureau um, was a connection after I coached professionally. And then when I was with team Israel at the world baseball classic qualifier, um, Jerry Weinstein is called me and asked me if I'd like to be a part of it. So that was obviously thrilling. Uh, But generally I have to uh, really work hard and, never give up
0: who recommended scout school
1: uh frank marcus who used to run the bureau uh we had both coached at the world children's baseball fair in japan and when he saw my story he's like i'd love to have you come learn how to scout and indian sponsored that trip for me and uh, yeah i was an associate associate scout for a year and then the bureau pretty much was on its way to closing or whatever you want to call it now
0: yeah that i I think everybody has their ideas. I really liked the Scouting Bureau um, when I, you know, I coached for 22 years and had really good relationships with, with the Bureau Scouts and, um, you know, I think everything evolves, but I, I thought the Bureau guys did a great job and maybe saw some some kids maybe that, that the other Scouts hadn't seen. I thought they did a good job of, of including, um, you know, everybody that was there at that, you know, and just talking to those guys. I thought they did a really good job of beating the bushes
1: for sure. I was sad to see what happened to the department.
0: Your experience with Team Israel then, what were the things that stuck out for Here's you working found. with Team Israel?
1: Oh uh, well, I was with them during the qualifier, so I was officially the mental performance coach. Um, except they wanted me to coach as well. So I was in uniform the dugout and and my job was charting the opposing pitcher. Um and of course we won the qualifier and they actually advanced to the second round in the classic, which was amazing. Um, so, I mean, I loved it. Uh, you know, my PhD is in sports psychology. I got it because I wanted to be able to use it in my toolbox, knowing I didn't have the same playing opportunities as men. So, you know, while I'm fighting to be in a men's summer league, other men are just, uh, you know, getting D one scholarship offers. So, um, it, it worked out perfectly within, the team Israel uh, format that my degree got me through the door and my experience in baseball. And then that's why they wanted me in uniform in the dugout Uh, coaching. So pregame, I mean, I did everything from hitting bungos, catching the ball to um, I played first, even, you know, if someone wanted to throw across the diamond, their MVP, whatever needed, I was just there.
0: Do you feel like your PhD probably opened up more doors for you than maybe obviously as a female, do you feel like that helped you more than anything? get your foot in the door
1: yeah absolutely because in the early years uh in 2009 was the first time I coached professionally in the can league and so um you know all the media talked about they, I was always being introduced as a PhD candidate so I do know it made a difference and of course it's helped me become the coach I am today just um being able to quickly identify players learning methods what motivates them um it's really a part of, of my whole coaching philosophy, season sports. Like,
0: what are you finding with motivation?
1: I think it is that there, I mean, everyone loves to be appreciated, but some people, you know, want more money. Others want time off. You know, others want to pat in the back. Others want to be spoken to firmly, you know, so you just have to know when, when to use it and who to use. And um, you want to meet the player because that's what you're there for. You know, it's not about your ego. It's about how can you help the players. So that's where you want to uh, meet them.
0: Would you recommend using any inventories for that to, to get a better handle on who you're dealing with, maybe if they don't communicate as well, if, if to use some inventories?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can use inventories. I've never been with a team long enough, where, and nor was that really my role. Um, my specialty is actually pitching, although I've done a lot of um, working with hitters as well just because. Um, but all of that makes sense. Like if I'm going to work with someone the whole season, you know, I'd probably implement a journal and, you know, things like that just to get people thinking. And again, some people you don't want thinking at all. So, you know, I never want to say this is the one way, but I would certainly want to start with what's our beginning, you know, and and continue to reevaluate throughout the season.
0: When you're dealing with pitchers, then where's the first place that you start if you are talking about the the peak performance side of things. Where's the first place that you start with pitchers?
1: Well, I don't usually talk peak performance uh, with pitchers because usually I'm just a pitching coach. So I'm not actually a performance coach. Um, But it's obviously you have to build confidence and and help the player um, feel the movement and feel what the right thing to do and, and gain confidence. I mean, so much about going on the mound is just about giving them a chance to breathe. And, um, you know, yeah, it could be a mechanical thing, but a lot of times it's just slowing it down for a second so you can catch the breath and and have that uh, meeting on the mound. Um, so it's really all part of it. And that's why I say um, the PhD is who I am and it's what I bring with the coaching. It's not, yes, I could do all these things that a mental performance coach could do, but I've specifically taken the role as a coach. And so I incorporate all that I know into the coaching
0: What did you get from your PhD that you didn't get from your undergrad? I got a lot out of my master's. I I told a coach that the other day. That was the best thing I did for myself was to go get my master's because I got things in that program at James Madison that I did not get as an undergrad that I needed to help me coach going forward. So what were some of the differences for you with the PhD program that maybe you didn't get as an undergrad um, that helped you?
1: Sure. Uh, well, I went to Springfield College in Massachusetts for my PhD, where I spent three years as an assistant pitching coach for the team. Uh, well, two years was as an assistant and the other was as a, a manager of the JV team. Um, I mean, first, I just learned a lot about sports psychology, but you also learn what you don't know and how to go find the answers. So Um, you know you can read a journal article an academic journal article know what's going on so you know even if you just talk about weighted balls and I don't have all the answers but I can at least speak intelligently or say I want to go check this out before I go and use it in this way I want to actually go to the sources and understand
0: who's your motivation for baseball for all I I mean I think it's awesome because people talk I mean there's always talk but here's someone who's actually implemented the change that they've wanted to see in the world. So, you know, what was the, the motivation for baseball for all?
1: Sure. Well, baseball for all is the national nonprofit that I started um, to empower girls to play coach and lead in baseball. Um, My first thought was when my daughter was born, I had my daughter when I was in college. So I was just 23 years old. And I just thought, I'm so tired of waiting for opportunities and if she wants to play I want her to be able to play without the discrimination that I felt that the uphill battle every everywhere I've gone um so I started to think about how I could build a better future and it it evolved into baseball for all and you know essentially I just want to stop that narrative that girls can't play baseball and and show those girls that they can play provide opportunities that they can play but also just You know, what I love about the ABCA is that you have coaches at all different levels who are are really change makers. And for them to just allow a girl to try out will make all the difference because too many girls are even told they can't try out. So that's, you know, I I love the coaches and I know they're the ones who can make all the difference in a kid's world.
0: If somebody wants to help Baseball for All, how do they go about doing that?
1: Well, they can go to our site, baseballforall.com. And if they see a girl's playing baseball, they can let us know. Uh, So, you know, be our scouts out there. Um, They could start a girls baseball team. Uh, They could just volunteer coach for one of the programs. If there's one nearby, Um, you know, we don't replace the team they're on. Usually they're the only girl on their boys team or league. Uh, But when they get a chance to play with other girls, it's really um, empowering and life changing for them. And it keeps them in the game longer. And, uh, you know, we have a, a national women's baseball team with Team USA and USA Baseball. And a lot of people don't realize that that's a that's a possibility for them. And so in 2019 of Team USA, nine out of the 20 girls came out of our program. You know, we're just seeing the girls are sticking with it longer, even if they're playing with the boys, they're sticking with it longer when they realize they're not alone
0: coached in the Cape for two summers and uh, one of those summers uh, Team USA actually played the Silver Bullets. Silver Bullets played up I think it was at if I remember correctly at Chatham the Silver Bullets were rolling through town so it was kind of neat to, to watch the exhibition game between Team USA and, and the Silver Bullets.
1: Yeah I went to the bullet spring training. Uh, I hurt my arm between Joe Negro saying hey expect a call and me reporting to spring training so <laughs> I lost a lot of sleep on that
0: how'd you injure your arm
1: oh um I had I was a guest player with the team and he just left me in there forever I'm a pitcher he left me in there forever and my arm was never again the same so I've rehabbed it uh since but uh it was I, it was such a loosey-goosey arm back when I was 22 and 21 and that's how I made the bullets but um you know that's life
0: you're an advisor for, for the mustard app. How did you get involved with that and talk a little bit about Dr. Tom house as well?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Dr. House is one of the pioneers in coaching and, and thinking about it biomechanical, taking it next level, not just, um, what a hunch or what you think you see with your eye versus what, um, analytics can tell you. Um, so it, it's exciting. I saw stuff about mustard, and I, I actually jumped on one of their team calls. We were doing some video analysis every week. They meet and have video analysis of pictures, and I brought in one of my pictures, and I started to see what the app could do and how how it could bring sort of data analytics and a video analytic to everyone across the country. You know, you didn't have to go to a, um, a lab, and that really excited me that everyone could have access to good coaching. Um, and so I, you know, I wanted to get more involved and I'm really uh, fortunate that they, they wanted me involved as well.
0: And that, that for anybody listening that doesn't know that's at team S T M S T R D. So at team M S T R D, if you're wanting to look into it on Twitter. So I think that's the next step, um, is kind of the mocap stuff through the phone where you don't need the lab and it does tell the story. What are some of the things, um, diving into it that maybe you can't see with the eye that, that maybe that the phone or the app is going to, going to show you?
1: Yeah. I mean, basically you can shoot video of you pitching and it'll go into it and, and, um, then it'll give you some data, like if your head's tilting or what your stride looks like. And so you can start to actually track your own improvement, or you can say, Hey, that that's working for me and and look at something else. So I think that's very exciting. And and as a coach, sometimes um, it's a little easier to explain to a player when they can see it. And so that's, I, I, not only can I keep track of what I'm teaching, the player can see what they're doing in the performance. They can keep track of, you know, from a player's perspective.
0: Say there's a young coach out there that maybe didn't have a lot of experience playing. How do they go about trying to get their foot in the the door and, and get started on their coaching journey?
1: Uh, I mean, to me, it seems everything is data analytics right now. If you want to start coaching, learn data, uh, learn math, learn statistics and, and go through that way. Um, obviously, driveline is a pipeline right now um, for coaches, and that would be the way to go. In my mind, if I was younger, and in fact, starting or I, uh, you know, in a different position in my life, I would go to driveline and try to get one of their internships. Um, but I think that's really where it is, it, but you're really seeing more like, you know, take any job you can, you might be able to get in the videography, you know, the videography and just suddenly all this, you've earned their respect and you're on the next thing. Think uh, learn Spanish.
0: That's a, that's a common <laughs> one that I keep hearing is, is learn Spanish. Um, yeah. And it is about building your network when you first get into it. Is trying to be around as many people as you can be, and and try to get as many mentors as you can, and people that you're reaching out. Not to not to promote or self promote, but you're just trying to to really make that circle a little bit bigger of people that you can reach out to. That um, you know, obviously, if you treat people the right way, people are going to try to take care of you. And I think that's just a way for any of us that got in. We, we all got a little help along the way, and, and the more people that you can get around you to, to help along the way um, and take any job that you, you can just to get in, it's, a, it's, it's tremendous advice. I, I'm, I follow you on Twitter. I'm a big Twitter fan of yours, but I love this quote. People, perfect people are a mirage. They don't exist. The imperfect is what makes us human. Our ability to fall down, get up, and try again is what makes us great. Uh, I mean, what does that mean to you?
1: I mean, I think for me, it's it's so easy to think someone else has it all or, you know, or even that they have it all so much that we can't even attain where they are. Um, whereas it, as soon as you realize no one's perfect and um, that you're going to fail, that fail is so much a part of this um, and it's embarrassing and you're going to think about it at night when there's no one around, like, what if I had just done this? You know, and that's really to me that our power our spirit is that we can just choose to keep going. And we don't have to um, we don't have to stay with the failure. We get to keep going, you know, and for the A's, you know, I asked Billy Bean for four years if I could coach for him. Four years is a long time. And but I just I wasn't ready to give up. And every year I just became better, more qualified. And he finally said yes. And, you know, this year in pro baseball, there's five women who had some kind of role with coaching. And I think that's just not giving up. But it's not just me not giving up. It's all the people before me who, you know, just kept going, all the pioneers. There's always a pioneer. You're always standing on someone's shoulder.
0: Four years. So walk through a little bit of that process. and, And eventually, what was his, okay, you know, Justine's ready. I'm going to, I'm going to let her work, you know, not let, but what skills did you build in those four years to where it's a no and then it's a no and then it's a no and then it's a yes.
1: You know, I don't know how much of a difference it was for me like about me or whether if times had changed within four years Um, after I threw BP um, you know, Bean was the first person to say yes, Joe Madden said, maybe. And so, my friend um, Tim Brown, who's the Yahoo National Sports Writer, uh, introduced me to Billy Bean and was like, "Hey, Joe Madden's gonna let her throw BP, so can she throw to you?" And he took five seconds to say yes. Um, of course, Cleveland's my team. I'm from Cleveland, so I actually went back to Cleveland, who had ignored me, and said, "Hey, I'm gonna make this history, and I want to do it with you." And so that's kind of like the domino effect from there. Um, so I knew that um, Bean was a smart guy, innovative, and that he was the one who would be willing to uh, break the barrier. So every year or so, I would just email him and say, hey, I finished my PhD, hey, I went to scout school, hey, I'm doing this associate scouting. Like Every time I was making myself better, I was just updating him. And finally, on the fourth year, um, he said yes, and, and it was for in- Instructs, I went to Instructs, um, where I had a really good time and I learned a lot and I didn't want to leave. But uh, at some point it does end, and and I went from there, you know. Um, So I I owe the A's a lot, and, um, you know, they're a great organization.
0: What does Kim Ang, getting hired as the Marlins GM, do? Not just for for baseball, but for sports as a whole.
1: You know, I think, uh, first of all, huge kudos to her. She's just never giving up. You know, that's a long gap between the Dodgers and and getting to the Marlins. Um, I think you're just really seeing um, a mental shift in in the idea that women are going to be able to help this game and that um, instead of putting limits on who it is, the ones we want. So, you know, maybe we have an unnatural amount of Ivy League GMs, which is scary. Like, is that really the best thing for the game? or is it to have some diversity and, and not have people all from the same program? Um, so I just think that it, it opens up minds and I know Kim's gonna do well and people will realize that organizations won't fall apart with a woman at up top and it'll just go from there. You know, I think that diversity makes teams better. Uh, any time, you know, and that's not just woman versus man or anything. It's just, you want a diversity of thought and experience to come in. So you can make the best decisions. And as far as coaching, so you can reach all the players, not just, you know, eight out of 10, get, get people that can reach everybody.
0: It is an American thing though, isn't it? You look around the world and the world leaders out there, there's a ton of female world leaders out there. And it seems like America's usually the the last to get on board with what everyone else is doing and, um, and baseball and baseball's said it forever. There's dinosaurs and, um, you know, hopefully the, the thinking about all of it is changing. Um, and that's my hope for the game as well, that the, the thinking is starting to change. And it really is about inclusion and getting the best and the brightest from wherever they're from or whatever they look like, and getting them in the room, and allowing everyone to have a say-so in what's going on as well.
1: Yeah, I think if you want to win, that's the route you have to take.
0: Yeah, because really, at the end of the day, that's what it's about. It's about winning.
1: It's about winning and making money, (laughs) unfortunately. (laughs) That's it, and so you want the best that you can to reach that.
0: Yep. Talk about the League of Their Own TV show, because I have a soft spot for League of Their Own. I grew up in Evansville, Indiana, so I was... Mm-hmm. in high school when they were filming League of Their Own at Bossy Field. And I am um, a huge fan of the movie, but talk about the TV show.
1: I will. Uh, but first I'll let you know that I was actually at the field in Evansville uh, when I was coaching. I finished up a season with the Corn Belters from nor- normal Cornbelters, Belters. And so we played there and we played um, in the same, you know, like just the same field. And, and the guys were like, yeah, we have to take a photo here you know, because it is where it was filmed and they were stoked about it as well to have a, have the only female coach in the country and be in this uh, stadium. Um, so the show is wonderful. Um, you know, the movie was obviously, it's like the highest grossing baseball film of all time. Uh, so when they did the TV show, I was very excited when they asked me to be a part of it. And uh, my job in, specifically is... I help train the actors, uh, I help with the background, recruit background, and um, I help make the shot look the most baseball ish. <laughs> I, I want to make sure the shot looks like it could actually happen in a baseball game. Um, and then I also, you know, consult with the writers again because we want the storyline to be real, and it's gonna be a very exciting show, and it's probably the reason why I'm not at Driveline, you know, because I have. I love coaching and I'd love opportunities to coach, but um, also being in this Hollywood show that I know is going to be iconic. is very exciting as well.
0: What What are some of the questions that stick out to you where you're like, okay, they are not a sports person. Cause on the Hollywood side, obviously someone that's writing probably doesn't have a background for sports. What are some of those conversations like with someone that knows nothing, maybe about baseball, even though they're writing about this and the show yeah what are some of the explanations that you have to go through for them
1: well uh you know I think I mean that's a good question and I can't really think about what do they ask but sometimes like once I was asked which way do they run (laughs) and this was someone who wasn't from the U.S. it's you know so um you know you just explain it and and I happen to be a very patient coach so it works really well not anyone who Uh, nose coaching can necessarily coach beginners you have to you have to be able to teach it in a certain way um well yeah because for a
0: screenwriter it has to go in there like they have to write that whole thing out if it's a scene they they have to write it out so of course it's going to be swing the bat then run so as a screenwriter they have to write that entire scene out so they may have some questions like that
1: yeah i mean they could be baseball fans uh this particular writer was um actually acting and hadn't hadn't played baseball only rounders uh, which is different so she was teaching me and I was teaching her but um, with the writers I think it's more about the details you know um, that there is a pregame meeting or this is when the manager might call this play and this is where maybe that wasn't the right play to make Um, those type of things that just having been an athlete having been a coach um, you know I have access to that someone who's only been a fan may not have experienced
0: how similar is the tv how similar will the tv show be to the movie
1: i think that it's going to it's going to go beyond the movie so yeah there's going to be baseball but let's talk about what was going on in the 1940s and let's talk about um all of the uh, african-american women who were barred from being in the league so i think it's it's a whole nother level and it's going to be fascinating because it's going to have these social issues uh, from the time as well as just baseball so you're going to really enjoy it.
0: Well, that's one of the impactful th- scenes at the end of the the movie there where foul balls hit and um, girl throws the ball in. And, um, you know, it's that's an impact, very impactful scene in the movie.
1: Yeah. And, you know, she's probably the best one on the field and she can't get in. So it'll be good. And I can't wait. And uh, we'll start shooting uh, later, uh, like summertime. So it's it's exciting and I can't wait to get back on the set.
0: How long has women's college baseball been in the works?
1: Um, I've been thinking about it. Uh, well, probably been thinking about it my entire life, but um, I've been thinking about how to make uh, women's baseball work at the college level probably for about 10 years now. Um, and so now we have a, a decent plan. What we really need is sponsors, funders, because it can go. The more money we have up front, the faster it can go. But uh, we have different models and we also have to work around COVID, but we have different models and I can't say once it's going to happen or because we might run two of them at the same time, you know, but uh, my hope is that your granddaughter's just going to grow up, play baseball, no big deal, just like soccer and have a chance to go for her own uh, baseball scholarship.
0: Well, yeah, and I appreciated your tweet the other day because it is soccer has men's and women's. It's neutral. It's not men playing against women. It's neutral. So it's a sport. So there should be an opportunity for males and females to play both. They're not playing against each other. It's it's a neutral statement.
1: Yeah, and I see uh, women's college baseball as a fall sport. And that way, most of the fields will be available, particularly at the D three level. But uh, the field space will be more available, and because of NCAA ruling, you could actually play baseball and softball because they're considered two different sports.
0: And the weather's way better in the fall for a majority of the country, which is smart. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm serious. Anyway, it yeah. is. I, I know we used to play. I don't know how many games up in Massachusetts. You know, within four weeks, get you know, an entire season in.
0: Well, it saves you from having to practice all winter inside and, you know, just hoping maybe that you can get on a field at some <sighs> point. Um, the flow for and, uh, a majority of the country is way better playing in the fall. Do you have a fail forward moment, something that you thought maybe was going to set you back, but look back now? It's the best thing that ever happened to you?
1: That's a good question. I feel like all I do is. Like I just feel like my whole life has been about deciding whether I want to get up and keep going. You know, I was 13 when I was first told I should quit baseball because I was a girl. Um, And in that moment, I'm like, I'm never going to quit now. You know, (laughs) when I wanted to coach baseball, the first person I told was my coach and he laughed at me and said, no man will listen to a woman on a baseball field. Um, I wanted to coach college baseball. They originally um, turned me down and I got a job across town at another college and then eventually it worked out. But I just feel like everything is about making a decision to get up. And I feel like a constant failure. (laughs) And yet, you know, we've moved forward, uh, not just for me, but for the girls and women that have come up behind me.
0: I mean, how how does that, because a lot of people would not turn that into a motivation. Most people would turn that into, well, he told me I'm not good enough. And you run into it on the male side, too. There's a lot of coaches that tell males they can't do anything, and they don't take that as motivation. They turn it into a a setback. I mean, how how do you take that and turn it into a motivation rather than, than, okay, well, maybe I'm not good enough?
1: All I know is that the more I was told to uh, leave the game of baseball, the more I loved it. The more I held on and uh as much as someone wanted me out I wanted to be in and I can't say why that is it's something inside me and um and I and I rode with it well,
0: what year was your first experience with baseball t-ball yeah so what so about what about those coaches allowed you to say hey this is something I want to be passionate about and keep going
1: you know, honestly, soccer was my first love. I played soccer. Mine too. And, <laughs> um, and I just played baseball with the, the neighborhood. I mean, we had a league, but like when you rode your bike to the game. And um, I just happened in that my new coach when I was 13, I, I guess he had never seen me play before and he just didn't want me on his team. And I stuck on the team. Like I stayed. I didn't leave. But before then, I hadn't thought much about it because all my friends were playing Um, You know, I was used to hanging out with the boys and I didn't think that much about it. I just wanted to play. But then, like I said, I had to fight so hard to stay in baseball that that kind of became my thing. And even at the D3 level, I went um, for soccer. The college I first chose, um, they had a no cut policy. So I went there to play soccer and baseball because I really wanted to play baseball. That was my goal. I knew I could go D1 soccer, but I wanted to play baseball. And uh, the the team said they ran out of uniforms and that's why they cut me. And I had no one to say, hey, just go to the AD, offer them $35 and then see what happens. You know, so I wanted to to change that, that narrative and, and create something better. And um, so it's exciting to me to see all these opportunities that young women are getting today. I'm a little jealous, but excited at the same time. I
0: know, but that's got to be gratifying for you. I, I mean, you're leaving it better for, for, that's my tagline, is leave it better for those behind you. I mean, you're doing that every day. You're leaving it better for the, the ones that come behind you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's an honor to make history, but it's much more important to build a better future.
0: Completely agree. Any more morning or evening routines that you really like that help you stay on top of things?
1: Routines, you know, I don't really have any routines other than I usually check my Instagram and I like to, I like to learn something about pitching every day and you, whether, whether it's a new thing or whether it's just connecting the thoughts or or feeling more comfortable with a subject, I like kind of, get, it's kind of cool that you can go on Instagram and kind of look at pitching of all all the people I'm following and just walk out a little smarter before I even get into the shower, so to speak. What, what
0: are some things that have stuck out lately that maybe you hadn't seen before where you like, okay, that, that looks great. And I'm probably going to try to implement that.
1: Um, well, I really love looking at uh, what Dr. Tom house has done with our weekly chats um, and the, the verbiage that he's using the definition. And at the same time, we're going through drive lines pitching certification, which is like a totally new language. Um, and then Uh, Previously, I was reading a lot of journal articles. So I I like, I like being a resource and I'm not saying I have the answer, but I have a good base, which I can help you with. And then if you have other questions, I can, I can give you answers based on what you're asking me. So like not everyone's a driveline follower, but I can talk about it intelligently. And I can say, this is what they're doing. And this is why they figure this way. And I can tell you that this is what Dr. House is doing. And this is why he thinks this way. And let's think about what makes sense for your body and your motion, Um, so that's, that's what I like to do. I like to gather information. I love information.
0: That's probably the, the biggest switch lately is figuring out on the hitting and the pitching side is that people move differently. So we have to try to help them tailor. We have to tailor our coaching to, to different people because they're going to move differently than other people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then if you just keep following major leaguers who are somewhat freaks, you know, they're more flexible than, you know, 99% of us, you know, they've got things that we don't usually have, and certainly our 12 year olds don't have 15 year olds don't have. So yeah, we want to look at them, we want to see what works. So we want to really have a um, a pool of examples so that we can translate down and, and even translate across, you know, I would never tell the same pro player, I would say, this is our philosophy, see if it works, and, but then be ready to adjust accordingly.
0: What about some of the research out there that you're diving into any, any research papers out there that people should dive into that would maybe be beneficial?
1: You know, I mean, I think it's always good to keep up, especially with, um, wave balls with injuries generally. Um, you know, I, I like, um, top velocity. If you follow them on Instagram, you know, everybody's controversial it feels like it shouldn't be but it feels like everyone's controversial but um you know one of the things they do really good is just list different article titles so that you can go and do the research yourself from there um so if if anything they're really great for that
0: you know if, if you are a, a learner and a studier i think some of us take for granted that everybody is doing that and that not everybody is doing that so to to be a resource i feel the same way about myself is that I do quite a bit of reading on on a lot of different things, not just the baseball side of it. So I do try to use myself as a resource as to kind of whittle down what is out there. And I'm not an expert and I don't claim to be an ex- expert, and I would never tell anybody how to do their job. but um, you know there are some great people out there to reach out to that I call it inexpensive experience. Um, you know, if you can find somebody that, that has a wealth of knowledge and information, they're going to allow you to, to move a little bit quicker because they've done some of the heavy lifting for you also.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then I love just, you know, on Instagram, how you can just, you scroll down and you see a new drill. Yeah, you know, I like that drill. I'm going to, I'm going to save that one. The other drills you go, what the heck are they doing? But you know, you get to see these new things and, and information is literally at our fingertips and to not take advantage of that as a coach is, it's just a sin. Who got you involved with the ABCA? Uh, Oh, I want to say I found it online. Um, I've been to so many conferences. I love it. Absolutely one of my favorite times of the year um, is to go. And I'm signed up virtually for the virtual conference as well. Um, I think, one, I'm going to learn a lot. But two, I also think it's important to support the ABCA in a year that's been so difficult. Um, One thing that's been great about the ABCA is that I now have the confidence to actually ask questions. (laughs) When I started, I didn't do that. And now I'll go to the post-sessions and ask a question. Um, and of course, you're seeing a lot more women. Yes. And,
0: I think it's phenomenal. I
1: think I, just, I remember being, I, there was probably four of us when I first started. Um, and everyone would ask me what booth I worked at, you know? So, <laughs> but now, now it's pretty common to see different women, um, you know, watching the talks and everything.
0: Yeah. My hope is that we're a place for inclusion that it's a place that, that everyone feels like they can, can come and learn and share. And, you know, we're not excluding anybody, and it's a place to grow the game. And especially with everything that you're doing, I mean, that's the definition of growing the game. You're growing the game in, in places that had never been grown before, which for me is such an exciting time for the sport itself is we have an opportunity to grow the game in, in every direction – um, where it's not that tunnel vision, where there is just this one place that we can grow it, that we can grow it in every direction possible.
1: Yeah, for sure. Baseball is, to me, the greatest game, so we, sh- we should include everyone we can. Yeah.
0: Yep. What are some final thoughts?
1: <sighs> Don't give up. If something's important enough to you, keep going. I believe strongly that when you follow your passion, good things happen. Um, learn everything you can. There's plenty of guys who want to talk pitching. You don't have to agree with everyone to talk <laughs> and to share, um, always be ready, um, to move forward, um, and realize that, f- that failure is a part of the journey and, and many of the best have failed, um, dramatically, but they're still there and they get up. So, you know, I love the ABCA. If you see a girl playing baseball, go ahead and look at baseballforall.com. If a girl c- comes and says, hey, can I play? Say, yeah, I'd love to teach you. Come, come try out. Not, not, not special treatment, but fair treatment. And uh, together, by the next generation, girls will have a chance to play whichever sport they want. And uh, you know, I know there's a lot of dads out there who want to teach their daughters curveball. And so it's exciting to see where the potential is.
0: Thanks for being on with me, Justine.
1: Thank
0: you for having me. Huge thanks to Justine for coming on with me. I love hosting the ABCA podcast because we have so many phenomenal stories to tell in the baseball community. Huge thank you to her for her persistence on creating a new path for girls in baseball. Here's another reminder that Baseball for All is hosting a national girls baseball tournament this summer at the Cal Ripken facility in Aberdeen, July 18th to the 22nd. It's open to ages 8 to 18. You can find out more information at baseballforall.com. Thanks again to John Litchfield, Zach Hale, and Matt West in the ABCA office for all their help on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email rbrownly at abca.org, Twitter at coachb underscore ABCA, Instagram, Ryan Brownlee 17 or direct message me via the MyABCA app. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks, and leave it better for those behind you.